Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books and Political Science podcast. My name is Heath Brown. Today I have the pleasure to have my colleague and author of Candidate-Centered Campaigns, Political Messages, Winning Personalities, and Personal Appeals, Brian Arbor. Brian's book is published this year by Palgrave Macmillan. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation that I had with him. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, as I mentioned, I have the real pleasure today to talk to a, a colleague of mine who is the author of Candidate-Centered Campaigns, Political Messages, Winning Personalities, and Personal Appeals. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm great, Heath. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Uh, before we get to this interesting book, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself? I know where you are, but why don't you share a little bit more about yourself with uh, with the audience? Sure. I'm uh, I'm an associate professor at uh, John Jay College, which is part of uh, City University of New York. And, uh, in the political science department here. Um, I think more relevant to the book here is I worked, uh, before I went to grad school, I worked uh, five years on various political campaigns as a staffer and, and minor consultant. And, and really that sort of experience really shaped a lot of my perspective on what I learned in graduate school and a lot of perspective on how I developed the ideas and thoughts, uh, a lot of the initial thoughts on this book. Yeah, and, and this really is a... Um, it's not a it's not a book for consultants, but it's a kind of a book about consultants and, mm-hmm. and the role they play in in trying to shape uh, campaign narratives, particularly the advertising side of this. Um, let's talk about the book. Um, you have such great quotes, sort of takes us through memory lane of different candidates and and when they've run. Um, I wonder if you'd read for us uh, from one of the one of the um, political ads. Um, and so just to kind of get us get us started, you tell us who the who the ad is for and, and when it was from and, and then maybe just read it to us. Sure. One of my favorite campaigns from having done the research uh, and, and coded and uh, transcribed a lot of these ads is from uh, Ken Salazar when he ran for go- uh, excuse me, for senator in Colorado in 2004. Uh, notable George Bush won Colorado that year. Uh, but Salazar was able to defeat um a Republican in an open seat race that year, uh, beat uh, Pete Coors of the famed Coors Brewing Company. Um, and he did it by running a very personalized campaign. So this is from one of his ads. Uh, this is the narrator says, Ken Salazar still works weekends at his family's ranch. His wife, Hope, runs a Dairy Queen. And their values run deep. Work, faith, family. As our attorney general, Ken Salazar forgot to, fought to protect our land, water, and people. In the Senate, he'll focus on cutting the deficit on helping families with affordable health care and quality education, tax cuts for the middle class and not for millionaires. He'll always be a champion for people. Yeah, it's, it's um, I think, such a, such a good way to start this. Um, and, and before we get to kind of what you, what you analyze in, in you know, quite um, uh, empirical ways, what just jumps out at you from, from just that, that short ad? What are, what are sort of the the keys in there that, that would pull you towards analyzing it? What, what would you code? What, would, what matters in that ad? Sure. Well, 
Traditionally, when political scientists study campaign advertising and campaign messages, they would focus almost entirely on the second half of that advertisement, uh, where it talks about uh, taxes, where it talks about health care, where it talks about education, where it talks about the real substantive issues. And what we're missing, I mean, and you'll, you know, data sets, you'll find it coded sort of as biography that it's rare to find papers that will analyze the first half of that advertisement. And really, part of the argument I make in the book is the first half of that advertisement is absolutely essential to that advertisement working, because the first half tells us about who Salazar is and tells, us, tells voters why they should trust Ken Salazar. It's looking back as opposed to looking forward, in most political science models of campaign advertising and campaign messaging, just tell us what they're looking forward to, what issues they intend to work on or focus on, uh, how they position themselves. What my book argues is there's a real personal dimension to campaign strategy that is absolutely essential to being to having an effective ad. And you know, my, my, my first sort of comment is we political scientists do a lousy job of accounting for that. And so my book is, you know, in many ways, a, a hopefully a corrective to that. Yeah. And, and so, you know, on the one hand, it seems quite obvious why, why one would do this, but you, mm -hmm. you really do think about this a good deal. You, in one of the later chapters, suggests, you know, at least three different um, sort of reasons why this approach might work. Mm -hmm. What are some of the, the, the triggers that, um, uh, or, or what is triggered in, in the person listening to or, or watching the ad that, that this approach would play upon? Well, so the assumption that, that I believe political consultants and campaigners have when they're talking to, to voters, particularly the broad swath of, uh, of voters who don't know them real well and are just watching an advertisement is these people do not trust what's being said by politicians. And any campaign ad, no matter how much of a not a politician try to appeal you make, you come across as a politician. So one of the things that campaigns try to do is there's a credibility and likability threshold that they must uh, overcome. And if they don't do that, people aren't going to listen to the issue message. They're not going to listen to the policy proposals. So one of the things I find is, is early this, this advertisement works well because the first half of that Salazar advertisement is all about building up the, his credibility and likability. Um, you know, understanding how he's relatable to people, but also we talk about his record as attorney general, that he is not just, you know, uh, you know, son of the earth here, as, as but also someone with some accomplishments, things he's done in his past. And therefore, the voters can trust that he does have their best interests at heart in trying to work on the issues that are mentioned in the second half of the advertisement. So, um, how do you do this? Um, what uh, walk us through a little bit of your approach, um, mm -hmm. which which data you use, and, and and the way in which you use it, because um, you know this is this is subtle. Uh, mm -hmm. What's what's the approach that you took in the book? Well, th there's a couple different approaches, and, and you know, so I'll highlight two here. Most of the book, most of the data on the in the book come from campaign advertisements from. Uh, uh, from congressional candidates, both Senate uh, candidates as uh, as Ken, like Ken Salazar and House candidates, uh, which, you know, I chose those rather than say presidential because it gives me a wide variety, a much greater uh, in of um, 
of candidates and different backgrounds, different perspectives, incumbents, challengers, etc. Um, and then I would code the advertisement. I would break advertisements down into their individual phrases. And the thing I looked in particular for, the, 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 the way I sort of code something as candidate-centered, is something that is about what that candidate has done in his or her past. So in the Salazar in the Salazar ad that we talked about at the beginning, you know, he works weekends at his family ranch. His wife runs a Dairy Queen. Uh, he's done this work as Attorney General to protect land, water, people. All of those are things about Salazar and the things he's done in his past, both his biography and his record in political office. Um, the second half of the advertisement is about that's actually in the future tense. In the Senate, he will focus. Um, and that tells us what he's going to do. So those would not be coded as sort of candidate-centered information. Keith, if you were running, you, you could say those things. Um, mm-hmm. As best I know, you don't. Uh, your wife does not own a Dairy Queen, and therefore you couldn't say that, and you haven't been a target. I can family. only dream. Uh, we, uh, the same for all of us. Um, <laughs> you know, so kind of the standard I was using as I coded this is it's something that, you know, only Ken Salazar could say that because that's his experience. Uh, things that anybody could say, you know would not be candidate-centered. So it was an attempt to really look not so much at the issue content and not look at, you know, whether they're talking about the deficit or whether they're talking about health care or taxes, which, again, is this classic, and, you know, I cite all those studies uh, in the book, sort of look at the way that political scientists really look at this, but try to look at how candidates are talking about themselves. Now, now you'd, you'd say, well, this makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've made your case. Mm-hmm. Uh, it must be that, that everybody talks about themselves, right? If, yes. you, you just, if we just look at the, the population that has selected into this, uh, these tend to be people who think somewhat highly of themselves, and it wouldn't be surprising if they talk about themselves. But that's not exactly what you find in the book. So why don't you th- walk us through a couple of the patterns of candidate-centered campaigns and with particular uh, interest, I, I hope, to the, the comparisons you make between incumbents and challengers, because for me, that was some of the most interesting and certainly some of the most statistically significant findings that you have in the book. Yeah. I mean, so, again, the, the, the sort of animating theory behind uh, folks on cancer campaigns is that you will see that, these, that this information serves to build credibility and likability. And therefore, one thing you'd expect is that campaigns will talk about these things sooner rather than later. There's something you want to do at the beginning. And I sort of thought through how to operationalize that. I thought there were sort of two different ways to think about at the beginning. The first is uh, temporally. That is, you'll see more advertisements about a candidate, uh, about the sponsoring candidate, in the early parts of a campaign, uh, the, and I define this from, you know, so many campaigns ran from Labor Day to um, Election Day, which works out well enough um, when you have that broad swipe uh, sweep of ads that I do. And you'll see more of these, you know, sort of mentions of a candidate's biography, background, record closer to Labor Day in the first couple of weeks of the campaign. And that will that will erode as you get closer to Election Day. The second way I thought about that early is, do they do that early in an advertisement? And again, I found that um, I think it was like the third phrase in an advertisement was the peak. Was that we most you get a majority of those phrases were about uh, 
candidates that are information about uh, uh, candidate. So that's one of the sort of the sort of tests that most of my theory. The second is I looked at what can candidates would say about uh, themselves, and I varied this between uh, based on a candidate's um, status. So you'd have uh, incumbents and challengers and open seats. And what you tend to find is that incumbents and challengers, not surprisingly, will use different types of candidate-centered appeals. For incumbents, uh, they're more likely to focus on their background in office and most in really their background as an incumbent. <laughs> Makes logical sense, right? They have, we know the voters should have some idea of who this person is and what they've done, uh, what they did to get an office. Now what they're selling is what I've been doing the last two years, six years, really can be longer than that. Uh, they're not, you know, these ads are not necessarily um, focused on, you know, for member Congress, the previous two years, they can you have a longer time frame. Um, so I have a series of advertisements I list in there with the sort of text there that sort of tell the different ways to do this. For challengers, are more likely to talk about stuff they haven't been in office, and for many of them may not necessarily have held political office. They're more likely to talk about biography, you know, family backgrounds, uh, things like that in, in their uh, in their advertisements. So there's differences between what incumbents and challengers, the type of candidates and information that they will focus on for the obvious reasons they have different backgrounds and different sort of credibility with or potential for credibility with voters. Yeah, this is um, so, such a neat sort of empirical um, analysis and, and the way you went about this is, is so interesting. Um, but, but make the case that this is, this is more than just neat. How, how does this matter? Um, why does this matter to sort of democratic institutions? Why does this matter to us as voters? Mm-hmm. Fill this out for us. Connect this up because sure. um, I think, a, you know, some of the, the read of the, the what you've described is, well, that's a, that's sort of what I'd expect. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, we sort of know that they're playing games, so mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter that much. Make the case that the, these are findings that, that do matter. Yeah. I mean, I think the argument I make, and I make this in the final chapter of the book, is that Voters are doing themselves a disservice by focusing so much on candidates, their personality, and their background. And you can't, the political science evidence is pretty clear that if you want to know what candidates are going to do in office, look at what they promised during a campaign. The scope of people who actually believe that is limited to the political scientists who have written and read those studies. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is so voters distrust this, have reasons to do this. We can think of famous examples. Uh, uh, where this is, you know, where, you know, can't, can't, uh, politicians have gone back on broken promises and the like. Um, but really, I think what we're missing is if we want to get a candidate, if we want to really get that candidate, if you want to get them on the record, if you want to get them to, to do what you want, get them to pledge it during the campaign. Take your focus off their personality and focus it on the issues. Uh, focus on the policy principles policy proposals, get those as specific as possible. Voters, I believe, are, you know, they, they have the wrong remedy to their, uh, to, to the illness they're seeing. Voters are focusing on the personality, thinking if we get higher quality people as candidates, we'll get better results. 
I would argue the better way to go about it is to get more specific and detailed promises about policy positions, and you'll get the results that fit based on that. Yeah, it's a really interesting book, um, and and one that that uh, you know, given that we're coming to the end of campaign season, <laughs> I, I hope that people uh, uh, take a look at it is, um, you know, because there's another campaign right around the corner. What's, what's next from you? Uh, we talked a little uh, before we started recording about some of the <laughs> next project for you, but is is there another book on the horizon for you? I mean, l- long term, I have a I have a book project. I think on looking at. Um, Looking at the change in politics in the Appalachias and the Upper South, uh, which I've written a couple articles on, and I keep, you know, those thoughts keep in my head and something to do that. I think that's a ways off because I'd like to have the 2016 election before I do that. In the interim, I have another project with a couple co-authors, Mark McKenzie at Texas Tech and Ryan Reby at William Patterson, that looks at rhetoric in judicial elections, and we're currently collecting data unsurprising more slowly than we had intended, but um, looking at websites from judicial candidates is a way to look at rhetoric um, and how this, you know, and think about are some of the tech, are some of the, um, some of the things we see in legislative and executive elections are those moving in judicial elections, which are supposed to be fought on a sort of different grounds than uh, legislative or uh, legislative elections. Are these techniques um, being moved into the judicial sphere? And, you know, we have some early findings on that, and we keep exploring that. Yeah, great. Well, well, I look forward to it. Um, Thank you. Brian's current book uh, that is published by Palgrave Macmillan this year is Candidate-Centered Campaigns, Political Messages, Winning Personalities, and Personal Appeals. Brian, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. You're welcome, Heath. Thank you. <laughs>